Hello and welcome to Enjoy the Wander. I'm Unji. I'm Wonhi. Uh, we are so excited to uh, dive into this next part of our podcast series. Um, like we mentioned last week, uh, we really wanted to dive into how COVID has really affected people and uh, how it's affected how people view their identity, like how it's affected their daily life, like how they view themselves. And one of the things that we were really excited about excited about uh, was just getting the perspectives of like two opposite ends of the spectrum, right? And so um, this first part that we are going to talk about is uh, what COVID has been like in the realm of education. And so we have an interview that we did uh, with a current student, a high school senior, and interviews that we had with current teachers, both middle school and the elementary school level. So hopefully these interviews will give you all just a sense of like what life has been like in school. And especially for those folks who haven't been in school for a while, we hope that this is a really illuminating conversation that we have with a group of pretty amazing folks. So without further ado. All right. <laughs> so we have a guest in the house today. I am super excited because this is my first time meeting him, but I've heard a lot about him through the grapevine of how um, amazing our youth group is. And in particular, how amazing this guy named Stefan is. <laughs> so I wanted to welcome Stefan Kim to the show. Wani, maybe you can give him the justice of a proper intro. So uh, Stefan is one of our youth kids at uh, SNY, the youth ministry at New Life. Um, I won't go into his bio, but uh, yeah, Stefan, do you want to like take maybe 30 seconds, introduce yourself, like what school do you go to? Uh, maybe some like fun facts about yourself. Okay, sure. Um, hello, I'm Stefan Kim. Um, I'm a senior at Memorial High School. Um, and yeah, like Wani said, um, I'm in the youth group. Um, and Wani's my praise mentor, and that's how I know him. Um, but yeah, um, I'm the praise team leader. Um, and uh, what are some of the other stuff that you're involved in, maybe at school or at church? Um, so I guess, yeah, uh, at church, um, I'm also shepherd of, um, uh, my youth house church, Zion 2. Um, and yeah, uh, at school, um, uh, I've run in track. Um, I, I play the cello. So you like the strings, huh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do. <laughs> I am very high energy and extroverted. So, oh, okay. This is um, true. <laughs> yeah, um, I get a lot of energy when I'm around other people. Um, mm. And what is your favorite fast food chain? Ooh, um, it's got to be McDonald's. Cause oh, it's cheap. <laughs> <laughs> it's cheap, and it's I was gonna. Cheap. I thought you were gonna say Chick Fil A, and then we're gonna have like a Whataburger Chick Fil A debate or something. But those are those are top tier too. But McDonald's mm. just my go to. Mm. So. Is there one close to Memorial? Yes. Well, there's McDonald's like yeah. everywhere. So. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you do not see McDonald's very often. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know. 
So um, I'm excited to kind of get to know more about you, Stefan. And I heard two things that I'm already interested about in terms of the lens of COVID, which is why you're here on this podcast today. Um, you are a senior, so you're about to graduate. And then I heard that you are an extrovert, so you get energy from other people. And so how has it been? Because it's been 10 months since the pandemic kind of started here. And so you've had to maybe alter or shift even college applications or plans of how to go about with future steps. Um, what are some things that have forced you into a new direction maybe? And then also second parter, I'll ask after you answer this one. Okay. Um, so I guess with, with COVID and everything, um, for sure, like so many things like changed and you know, I wasn't like ready for like all these like mm -hmm. different things that were happening because um, like when it first hit I thought we were just going to be off for like a month um, mm -hmm. but then of course that's not the case um, but yeah I just I was all with online school um, and like that I guess that like initially like I was kind of like really bummed about that um, mm -hmm. but then like as I I guess began online school like it I noticed myself like really enjoying the I guess just being able to just get out of my bed and then just hop onto my computer. Um, mm. But like, as time progressed with that, um, I noticed like that, like fo it's really hard to focus uh, when you're like at home um, and um, it requires a lot of discipline. Um, and so I made the decision to go back in person. Um, so yeah, I kind of had like the best of both worlds, I guess. Um, but for sure, um, going back in person um, has helped a lot um, in terms of being able to focus um, and also just seeing people um, like you mentioned and I mentioned uh, how I'm extroverted um, helps a lot with uh, just I think just with my mood um, and, mm -hmm. and just um, everything that goes on um, but I think yeah in terms of like plans yeah, I was really excited for senior year um, and about you know just everything that was going to happen um that couldn't happen because of covid um like i guess like homecoming football games things like that um like high school um yeah yeah so a lot of those things are just canceled and um i guess like cut off i think yeah that's definitely a bummer um but you know it's it's been i don't know it's been kind of crazy but yeah i i honestly i don't think it's like true sadness but definitely just like a yeah, just like a bummer um, that like we can't do these things. Um, I think because uh, like I've I mean, I was just really excited for senior, um, but still I'm able to um, like see some friends and mm -hmm. um, do some things. Uh, so um, like I, I kind of just like try to, I guess, find other things um, in terms of uh, trying to have fun um, that I can do um, during this pandemic. How has it been going back to school in person in terms of COVID and even like the systems in place for a school? Man, so um, I think with COVID, it's like really hard to like, I guess, be safe with a lot of students coming back. And this semester um, at my school, it's like a little over 70% of students came back in person. Um, so there's, oh. yeah, there's a lot of students um, who are um, like in the hallways and stuff. Um, and so, yeah, some, some of my classes, it's like kind of packed and, um, and there's way too many students, um, and there's like not really social distancing. And so that's one thing that like, 
it's a little worrisome but so masks are always like required to be worn um but in the cafeteria in lunch oh um, yeah you know, when we're all eating it's kind of hard to like mandate that so right there's a lot of students who are just like in groups um and like eating together and there's no really social distancing um at the tables for us like one of the things that we've been curious about as we've been or as we're talking to people is how do you feel like your identity may have shifted from where you were before COVID and like now like it's been 10 months right do you feel like your sense of self like who you identify as I as like what you identify with do you think that has like shifted and like what has shifted what has changed what has kind of stayed the same throughout this season um I think one thing um the biggest change for me um was more like my relationship with Christ. I think before this pandemic, um, a lot of my faith was kind of dependent on, I guess, fellowship with others. Um, and uh, like me being still being pretty young, um, I always, I guess coming to church, like the thing that I was most excited for was meeting my friends and um, seeing other people. But then when quarantine hit, like we couldn't do that. Um, and then um, my faith was like pretty like, shaken from that mm-hmm. um and i think through this pandemic um there was a lot of like time for me to just reflect on myself um and, and my relationship with christ um and i think uh, over this time um i've really just been trying to uh, grow my relationship with christ uh, rather than um i guess fellowship with other people um even though that's still amazing um, I think one thing that I really uh, lacked in was just uh, my like personal relationship with Christ. I think, yeah, just with with my identity, um, it's it's been really um, it's been really like I guess challenging um, in terms of like figuring out who I am. Um, but um, I think with with this pandemic, um, you know, we're given a lot of time to reflect on ourselves um and especially like in the beginning um when we're stuck at home like all the time um just that time uh really um allowed me to grow um and and revealed my true self um and uh to myself revealed, revealed my true self to myself um and like i was able to i guess grow from that um and you know i'm still growing um and i have a long way to go I, so I, I just quit my job, but I was working with students last semester and a lot of my students were really struggling. And so if you were to, because I feel like I hear a lot of self-growth happened over these past 10 months for you, what would be some advice you might even give someone who's not at a place where you are? They're still struggling because of the pandemic. What are just like simple words of encouragement that you might give to somebody else? Um, I guess uh, the biggest thing, just like don't get caught up with, so many, so much of the negativity that's happening um, around us, um, and I think with social media and being as young as uh, I am, or um, even someone younger, um, it's something that like I guess we grew up with and like has been in our lives like for enti- for our entire lives, um, and just with with this pandemic and with all the negativity going around, um, it's really hard to um, think light of of anything, um, but think there's so many things that you know that we could be um uh 
thankful about. Um, and there's so many positives um, that is going on um, that uh, it, it really um, changes, I guess, your mindset when, when you realize that, like, when you just reflect on, uh, like, what, what you could be thankful for um, and that, like, we're still here today. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, I think those are very wise words. And I didn't realize, yeah, for you guys, social media has literally been present all your life. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so interesting. Oh, I have so many questions for that on another time. <laughs> um, but, like, also I think uh, the a connection that Wanhee and I have is Teach for America and education and a passion for the youth. And one thing I admire about Wanhee is he's able to pour that into his life professionally, but even right now with SNY youth group, right? And then with you guys. So I think one thing I wanted to recognize is there are so many leaders or teachers, educators, youth mentors that have paused during this time to ask themselves, like, how can we make sure life doesn't suck for our students, right? That's like a a question I hear in all the collaboration that I'm a part of. So I think like one thing I would love to know is like, or hear is what you are thankful for, either from the teachers you see at Memorial or even the mentors you have outside of high school during specifically this time? Um, yeah. Uh, so I guess in school, um, there's, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of students who are still online as well. Um, and, and I guess there's um, just a few teachers who um, are, um, I guess, trying to accommodate both online and person um, and really like doing a good job at it. Um, yeah. And I think, um, those teachers that like I, I've noticed um, that who are doing a good job um, really do care for the students and um, it's really like evident in um, the way they uh, teach or or talk to people like I guess one example is like my orchestra directors um, it's it's when I was online uh, and when I was in person I, f- I still felt like I was um, involved um, with with whatever we were doing um, mm. but yeah that's just like one thing that I'm very thankful for yeah, and then also, I guess in our youth group, there's a lot of people who, and a lot of students whose parents like, uh, like don't want them to come out or anything. Yeah, I guess in our uh, youth group, um, there's, there's been a lot of things um, that's been going doing well, um, and it just with our adult leaders um, who, uh, just been doing a lot um, in terms of just putting a lot of time and and praying for us constantly. Um, there's been a lot of um, just growth in our youth group, um, and I think with all these events that are going on um, like every month. Um, there's so much opportunity, so much opportunity for students to uh, really uh, just grow in their faith and um, experience God. I think one thing I'm curious about, like, so I think as like a praise team leader, as a shepherd, like you're very visible, right? Like you're at, pretty much at like the forefront of a lot of the things that we do, like Sunday service, like all the different events. Um, and I think that is pretty visible, like, even on social media, you know, like where people who don't really attend our church or like who don't know the context of what we do, like can see everything that's going on. Like, how have you felt about that? Like, especially nowadays with COVID and everything. Yeah. Like, I guess when I, when I, when I see myself on social media, like, it's like, like, oh, like I'm on there. Uh, But um, I guess like for me personally, like, I feel like I have um, like another, like, sense of responsibility um, in terms of being a role model, um, especially with uh, my co-members in Praise Team and also with my sheep uh, in my house church. Um, and um, I think that's one thing that's really been keeping me in line with my faith. 
um, just, um, I think my love for my sheep and my, and my co-members of praise team, uh, really just, um, inspired me and, uh, encouraged me, uh, to really just, uh, grow in my personal relationship with Christ. So one of the things we were kind of curious about, mm-hmm. like you had COVID like three weeks ago, <laughs> right? Would you be okay with talking about that? Mm-hmm. So how to happen? Like, oh my gosh, what was the situation? So I had a friend who had COVID. Um, and I guess it's actually kind of like a, a somewhat like funny story. Um, I told this to a few friends and they all, I, got, I got a small laugh from it. But yeah, it just um, I, I, was, uh, I was having some back pain. Um, and like, um, like I was kind of tired and I was, I went up to one of my friends and I asked him like, Hey, can you give me a back massage? And so he gave me one. And then the next day I found out that he had COVID (laughs) (laughs) and and he didn't know either. And then a couple days later, um, I started to notice my symptoms, but like, I guess the timing of getting COVID, um, like when I got it was really unfortunate because like it was right before Christmas, um, and like Mm. New Year's and also our uh, retreat for our youth group. Um, I couldn't like attend that. Um, and so, yeah, the timing of that was just really um, like, yeah, unfortunate. Yeah, and also like I couldn't spend time with my family during Christmas. Like they're all downstairs having a dinner and then I was just in my room. I guess like one thing that like kept me alive in quarantine uh, when I had COVID uh, was just like hearing um, words from other people, um, just words of uh, just comfort, um, and also just being able to like FaceTime my friends um, whenever I was like super down or um, just whenever I was like just wanted to talk to people but I couldn't. Um, so I would just FaceTime some of my friends, and um, you know, there's a few friends who would pick up most of the time, um, and I'm really appreciative of that. Um, and yeah. And your symptoms were okay. You were just kind of on your own uh so i guess maybe it was just because i'm it's just because i'm young but yeah my symptoms were like kind of like in ways and they didn't last very long like my fever lasted like a day or two um Mm. and after like my fever went away i got like a pretty bad sore throat um and then my taste and smell was gone but in about like seven days after that um my taste and smell was back but not like fully and then a few days after that it was like fully back um but yeah um i i've heard like different symptoms from other people um and some of my friends who had it uh like long before me um still don't have their taste or still don't have their smell um, oh, so wow. yeah just i'm pretty thankful for that um no. have you ever felt like frustrated with how adults are handling things as a like child not like a child but like as a younger uh as a non I don't know if you're 18 I don't know but you know what I'm, I'm saying like, oh yeah I am a child oh yeah you're 17 okay one thing that kind of um irritated me a little bit was like when after I had COVID and after I had tested negative um some of my friends parents like didn't want their their kids child's like seeing me or something uh, which I totally understood um um but yeah um with uh with adults um there's so many like different responses from different adults. Um, and my parents um, have been uh, pretty good, um, but also not restricting me from 
uh, doing uh, like every anything at all. Um, mm. And so I'm very thankful that, you know, they're allowing me to um, do certain things um, that some of my friends uh, are not able to do um, just because of their situation. And um, so, yeah. Thanks, Stefan. <laughs> we really appreciate you. Yeah, no uh, problem. Yeah, sharing your thoughts. Because I feel like, yeah, like Angie said earlier, I know there's a lot of folks who don't necessarily interact with like students who are in your shoes, you know? And I feel like a lot of times we hear like school this, school that, like kids are going in person, but like we don't really get to hear from folks who are like actually there, you know? <laughs> and so I feel like the answers that you said or like just the thoughts that you shared, I think were super valuable and can can give some perspective to adults who like don't know what that life is like, so. Where can we find you on Instagram? <laughs> Tell us your social media so we can ask our followers to follow you. Yeah. You can They need to look out for the best, like the up and coming leaders of the world. So Stefan Kim, follow him at you can follow me on Instagram at Stefan R. Kim, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-R-K-I-M. Okay. Right, what kind of content do you post? Uh I don't really post content on Instagram, but you can also find me on YouTube. It's just Stefan Kim. Um Oh, yeah. what kind of what do you do on YouTube? Uh I make videos for church stuff but i'm soon to be making content hopefully oh yeah yeah but i will I, say I his videos are pretty funny they're they're pretty funny um stefan do you know what you want to major in college or anything like that or where you want to go maybe or you know out of state in state i only applied to in-state schools i'm planning to major in business um i've gone to a&m but i'm waiting for ut Ooh, yeah. business ut hookups <laughs> yeah. i'm kidding um I, my grades aren't the best, so I'm not sure if I will get into uh, UT McCombs because of how hard it is to get in right now. Um, but, mm. you know, if I don't, that's fine. Yeah, because fun fact, I went, I applied to UT and my grades were pretty good, but I didn't get into McCombs. Um, but then I just <laughs> internally, that's so like whatever. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of getting in, but I didn't get into business, but then I internally transferred uh, mm. after freshman year so I could go in sophomore year well we're excited to see where you go and what kind of businessman or not you know wherever God takes you yep. um, what kind of businessman you might become and and all the content <laughs> that we're gonna follow <laughs> <laughs> all right thank you Stefan for coming on to our podcast we really appreciate you uh, hopefully we will maybe you'll become a recurring guest you know you can be yeah. the voice of the youth for enjoy yep. the wonder Let's all say it for fun. In three, two, one. Enjoy, Enjoy wonder. the wonder. Thanks, Stefan. Okay. Yes, thank you, Stefan. Um, something I'm really glad that Stefan mentioned was just being able to recognize specifically his orchestra teacher, but the great teachers in his life that have been working hard during COVID because we are so excited to continue on with the series of the pair teacher and student with two of our very own teachers in the house. Oh my goodness. So one thing that Wani and I connect with a lot is our um, first connection as educators, right? And both of us have um, unfortunately, fortunately, who knows, maybe we'll find out in today's little talk right now, but we have left the classroom, um, but we have two dear friend family members um, who are still in it um, and maybe have so much wisdom to share in this in these past 10 months of teaching in COVID. So introduce yourselves. Um, we've, we have, uh, we'll go with Mr. Hua, as you might hear in the classroom of Pilgrim Academy. Um, tell us about yourself, Chris. 
Why do you have to say Mr. Hua? I'm <laughs> so old. Is that um, a name yeah. you identify with, Chris? <laughs> um, a name? No, I really don't. I don't like that name at all, actually. A lot of my students actually just called me Hua. They don't, I don't like the Mr. in front. Mm. Um, yeah, but uh, 28, I'm in the middle of my sixth year in the classroom right now. I teach eighth grade science, and um, Josephine kind of alluded to it a little bit, but um, I teach at Pilgrim Academy. Um, why, why are you laughing? <laughs> like, Did you listen to my last episode yet? <laughs> yes, uh, sort of, yes. <laughs> should, I call you, should I call you Joey instead? Yeah, but teaching Houston Pilgrim Academy, it's a K through eight, but specifically eighth grade science. Um, the school I'm at is like predominantly Hispanic, like 97% Hispanic, low income, Title I school, you know, the whole shebang. Hmm. Fun fact, did you know my close friend Josh actually teaches at the same school as Mr. Cho? <laughs> I found a uh, like... No, his little... name is Mr. Hua. Mr. No, no. Cho no, is Mr. Josh. No, Mr. Cho is Josh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But I found out later, I was like, oh, what a small world. I, I learned about him because all like the younger kids kept on calling me Mr. Cho. Cause I guess we don't even look alike at all, but yeah, you know, but you know, yeah, but they kept calling me Mr. Cho, like Mr. Cho. I'm like, dude, I'm not Mr. Cho. Like, and then I realized there's another Asian guy teaching at the school now. And so that's why they're mixing me up. Mm. Mm. I've been there. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> me too. <laughs> um, so the next person, uh, you might hear the word Onni pop up, right? But her professional name is Miss Chi, Miss Jessica Chi. Um, so she's coming in all the way from New York City. So we have two very um, different perspectives, even in like city, even in just uh, different experiences. So uh, Jessica, <laughs> introduce yourself. <laughs> Um, are you gonna call me Jessica this entire? I don't actually, guys. Um, if I grew up calling my brother or my sister by their real first names, I would get like, uh, like hit, or you know. So I will, I will just stick with Onni, and we will allow, uh, we will allow Wanhi to also kind of navigate by being the main moderator. Although I do talk a lot, so who knows? Yeah, okay. You can call me Jessica for this podcast if you want. Okay. All right. Um, my name is Jessica, um, or Miss Chi, I guess. Um, I am a fourth grade teacher in the Bronx in New York City. Um, I have been teaching at my school for seven years now. Um, and I also similarly work in a school that's um, like 90% Black and Hispanic. Um, I have, we have, um, good percentage of Bengali students, small percentage of Muslim, um, students at our school as well. So I think, you know, we don't want to beat around the bush here, right? You guys are here because there's just been so much weight on the shoulders of teachers in the past 10 months, right? You guys have started off as the heroes of our nation, Right. And not that you guys are not still our heroes, but now it's like, well, how much more can you carry? How much more can you kind of um, hold on your shoulders as we try to navigate this pandemic? And as you guys kind of have that almost like, I don't know, you guys have this quote, I don't know, responsibility. I don't know, lack of better, blah, 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 blah. But like you have this responsibility to, <laughs> you know, be 
there with these kids, right? And so I would like to just know, like, how has your identity of being a teacher shifted from pre-COVID, not post, like during COVID? Um, and so that is my question. Um, yeah, I think obviously having the experience of being, you know, a teacher during like in-person versus now we're virtual, there's a lot of things I've shifted. And obviously y'all can kind of speak on that too, because both of y'all, Wani and Josephine have been teachers in the past as well. Um, but I think probably like, the biggest shift as a teacher has been like the connection aspect of like making like real-time connections with students. Cause obviously like over a screen it's doable, but it's like exponentially harder to do that. Um, I don't know if Jessica, you feel the same way on that. Um, oh yeah. I mean, that's probably one of the number one things that has changed the most. Um, and I think in terms of like connecting that to like identity as a teacher, I think like the past, however many years I've been teaching, a part of that identity is building relationships with the students for sure, um, for in sure. person. and so like not having that, I think has, um, has had me kind of struggle with like the joy of teaching um, and what that means now and what that looks like for me now too, um, as as we've been remote and we've actually been in person um, in, the, in the city, but back and forth, remote and in person and back and forth. So um, yeah, that's definitely something that I've been struggling with um, in trying to reimagine almost um, because I feel like that those shifts are gonna continue to happen. I'll kind of add on to that too. Um, Cause I think like, we all know kind of like your role as a teacher isn't just to be like a, you know, like a instructor of knowledge, like you're, you know, a mentor in a lot of ways and things like that. But I think because of COVID, um, a lot of that mentor aspect may have gone away because mm -hmm. of um, just again, the difficulties of virtual. So yeah, a lot of times I feel like I'm just kind of like giving instruction, like, hey, we're doing this today. I'm just teaching this and so on and so forth. I don't know, Jessica, are, are you having your students like turn on their cam cameras when they are virtual and stuff like that too? Um, we, I have them do it when like at certain moments. Mm. So um, I don't make them turn their cameras on. I mean, there's, you know, those memes, like even during staff meetings, I'm the teacher without my camera on. <laughs> yeah. and so I, I don't, I don't think it's fair to, you know, it's not the same kind of a situation as being in the classroom. Um, but there are moments when I will make them like when we do our morning greeting, I make mm. everyone turn their cameras on to greet each other, like face to face. Um, when I'm doing like um, checks for material, I have them kind of like sneak mm -hmm. in when we do like a brain break, I'll have them turn it, you know, so like at little moments, um, I do have them turn it on. So it's not too overwhelming, <laughs> but um, that, that I do get to see their face and they get to see each other as well. But it's so funny, like the minute I like leave my zoom meeting on during my lunch meeting, because some of them just want me to leave it on so they can talk. Literally, the minute I turn my video off, and I'm gone they all turn their videos on <laughs> talking to each other. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, kind of going off what you said, Chris, I actually almost feel the opposite in the sense that mm. um, I feel like because we are working with young children during these very traumatic times, mm. I think at least for as an elementary school teacher, we are kind of being thrown into like 
the counselor, like mental health provider role a lot more um, deeply during these times. And on one hand, it's really great because I am like a really big believer in the idea that like social emotional learning is just as much of a priority as teaching like reading and math. Um, but at the same time, I think it's the role that's kind of been thrown onto us is also very emotionally and mentally draining as humans who are going through the same trauma because mm. we uh, ourselves as adults are processing everything right now too in real time and yet we are we are expected to kind of like guide that process for our students as we ourselves are dealing with it um and i mean we're not trained professionals right yeah. i'm not a counselor I know that there are many times we're called to be counselor-like and to be social worker-like and to be mentor-like and all of those things. But, you know, we are also not you know, professionally trained in the ways that our students do really need. Um, and so kind of just like balancing that space. And then on top of that, right, like they say, social-emotional learning culturally responsive and historically responsive teaching during these like very, you know, stressful times. Right. And then right. they're like, oh, but you know, standardized testing is going to stay the same. And we want you to give these weekly assessments the same way we did before all of this. Mm. So it's like a lot. Yeah, balancing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing I was curious about, like, um, I'll, I think it would be cool to learn what brought you guys into teaching. Like, why do you, yeah, why have you, why did you guys get into teaching? Why have you stayed as teachers uh, for however long you have been? And then how do you feel like this year as teachers during COVID, do you feel like it's like changed how you felt about your original desire to be a teacher? Like, has it shifted? Like, how has this year affected all of that? Great question, Wanhee. <laughs> um, I can go first. So I... I didn't always originally want to be a teacher. If you know my backstory, for those that know me, I actually wanted to be a doctor for a while. Um, but kind of like the senior year of my college year, um, I decided, hey, this isn't for me. I'm doing, I wanted to be a doctor for all the wrong reasons. And um, I actually sort of had always kind of wanted to be a teacher. But the reason why um, I chose not to was just because I've always also additionally wanted a big family. And, you know, you know, teacher salaries, um, you can't do that, really. Mm. But... I realized that at the end of the day, like I want to do something I'm passionate about. And um, I know it sounds so cliche, but like I'm passionate about kids and I really um, want to be like there for as a mentor figure and just kind of like walk them through next stages in life and things like that. Especially like, I'm like, I'm really, my heart's for like the middle kind of year. So like eighth grade is the reason why I'm there um, while they're transitioning. So that's kind of like one of the main reasons why I want to become a teacher. Mm. Yeah, sure, guys. And if you know, if you've seen, <laughs> if you've seen me on the football field and you've seen my defense and mm -hmm. how much I've improved in the last few years, you would understand why Chris is such a good teacher. Oh, yeah, because I'm, <laughs> I'm harsh and I'm blunt. Yes. Mm -hmm. However, motivating. Tunjip that, that part out. <laughs> uh -huh. Anyways, continue. Um, and what were the other questions going to he? I'm sorry. Yeah, how do you feel like this past year being a teacher during COVID um, affected how you view like your desire to be a teacher? Like, do you think, yeah, how's that affected all of that? Hmm, that's really a tough question because 
truthfully, this is actually gonna be my last year in the classroom, but not mm. because like, oh, teaching is hard and teaching is difficult. Like I, when people ask me, I say that I have like probably the best job in the world. I love my job too. Like no matter how like tired I get or how or like how much I complain sometimes to my wife. Sorry, Joanne, if you're listening, um, about my job. Like I truly believe I have like the best job in the world. Um, but in terms of just like teaching and how much has changed, um, I think a lot. I think it made me realize how like how much like as teachers like we really do need to change our style of approach. Um, in a lot of ways as teachers and I think because um, what I realized like even for me like I'm quote unquote like a vet I've been in this for a while but a lot of things I'm doing in the class or I did in the classroom I can't do anymore right I can't do you know these hands-on type things I can't like so a lot of things have to shift and a lot of change that needs to occur and I think that like kind of sparked me like a lot of teachers that are in my position like get really stagnant in their craft too and I think that this was like a, a good wake up call for not just me, but for a lot of people like, hey, like if you want to continue improving, like, if you want to continue being a better teacher for like these kids and for, you know, the future generation, then things do need to change. Um, especially like right now, like I would say I'm half the teacher I'm, I normally am mm -hmm. um, just because like the crutch that uh, virtual learning and do these kids deserve that? No, they don't deserve that. Right. Like obviously, like we can make excuses that all these things are happening for us, like all these things are going against us. But at the end of the day, like these kids, they shouldn't get the short end of the stick because of that. Mm. How, how have you been processing all that? Like as a teacher, knowing that like you as a teacher are doing everything you can, right? Like, obviously like there's like crutches and stuff. And so like, how do you balance the fact that like you're very limited versus like the kids not like have like deserving so much better, but not really being able to like get those two meet, to meet up. Meet that yeah. in the middle. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of sorries. Mm. Um, no, I'm like, I tell my students like, sorry all the time. Like, I'm so sorry. Like normally like we'd have like a really fun lab for this or like, I would explain like, Hey, this is what we normally do, but like, here's a PowerPoint, you know, or here's mm. a video or here's like an online lab that we can do together. Um, so I, I, I say sorry a lot, but, and I think I'm like, I'm very grateful that I have eighth graders and there's some, some level of maturity there. Right. But um, where they can kind of like understand and comprehend like, hey, yeah, like we get it. Like, like Mr. Hall, you're, you're trying your best. You're doing your best. You're doing, you know, and we see that. And um, yeah, that's that's all I can really say. Like I can try all these different avenues. Like, you know, we have, we're blessed with technology. So I can try all these different things. But no matter what, it's not the same as being in person, mm -hmm. no matter how much we try. Thanks for sharing that. Um, Jessica, do you mind sharing your story? Yeah, Jessica. Please. Uh, stop me if I start going off on many tangents because I feel like I, I could. It's all you. <laughs> um, so I guess going into teaching, I've always wanted to be a teacher. Um, after college, I went through a kind of my, my dad, of course, as any Asian dad wants me to be a doctor. So I find, found a way around it saying I would be like a speech pathologist in a school though. Um, and so I was pursuing psych for a while. Um, I then I was um, I went to Cambodia. I lived in Cambodia for a little over a year, um, and I kind of rediscovered that I where I want to be is in the classroom, mm. um, and I I want to be a teacher in the classroom. Um, so I went back for school um, for teaching, and um, ended up in New York and then started teaching in New York. 
when I went to Cambodia, my vision was I want to teach students who don't have a teacher, right? who, who aren't getting education because they just don't have teachers there was my kind of like, what, 20, 22 year old heart in going out there to teach. Um, and I mean, even now it's, it's teaching students um, in, in ways that are equitable and, you know, empowering students who may not have those, have resources to do so otherwise. Um, but I definitely think that um, this year has um, shifted a lot of how I think about myself um, as a teacher and what my future is in teaching as well. Um, but at the same time, I don't think this year is in it of itself what did it, all that. Mm. I, th I think it's been building in me every year. Um, and I think those around me knows, knows like I, I get very stressed out with work a lot. Um, and all I do is work and um, it's a little consuming of me. I think this past year kind of in the extreme situations that we were pushed to revealed a lot of like a lot of ways that I think we could have improved education and we could have done things changed for the better and yet you know like they say like in extreme situations your true character shines mm. and like the true character of the education system shined right and mm. it was not I think I think all of these years I was hoping that I could change things even in the little ways I can in my classroom and I and I know that I have you know and I don't and I don't doubt that um, but I think every year I was I was hoping that it, things could be different or things would be a little different. And it's in, I'm talking a little vaguely right now because it's a lot to go into, like what the inequities of the school system. Right. <laughs> but I think this year kind of just like opened my eyes to, oh, no, it's not like even a pandemic won't change mm. you know, the fact that there will always be people who aren't in this classroom making all the decisions of what happens in the classroom for us um and so it's just a year of like coming to realization of certain things um that i'm trying to still figure out whether um whether it's something that i can just not care about as much and and just do the good work that happens in the classroom right or if it's something that is going to keep bothering me and maybe has to take me out of the classroom to do something else. Mm. I don't know um, yet what that might look like. Um, I do think that I am being kind of challenged to be more creative with what it means to work with students um, in the classroom. I think that the classroom is my favorite place to be, and yet it's also sometimes the most limiting place to be. Mm. Um, and so trying to figure figure that out is, yeah, something that I'm still kind of going through. Do you have maybe one example of kind of the frustrations that you're feeling about like, hey, like I thought this might've been better or like this pandemic like really revealed to me just like how broken <laughs> the system is. Like just to kind of help folks get a sense of like what really is kind of the issue that you feel like you're seeing as, as a teacher. I think the whole thing about assessments um, was something that was really stressful for me this year. And schools are a lot of talk that we mm. want to be 
um, you know, culturally responsive and we want a social emotional needs of our students are important, right? But what are the supports we get? We don't get training on any of that. We don't get, we haven't gotten, we don't get training on like, you know, the things that we're doing directly in the classroom, but the district will give us weekly Google forms for our third graders to take assessments on weekly. A lot of like, it just doesn't match up with what they're saying and what they want to do versus like what they actually do. Um, And then the frustrations are that as a teacher, we're the ones, I'm the one that has to give my kids the Google form that they're going to fail because it wasn't designed for them to pass. I'm the bad person and I'm the, you know, and then I'm the one that has to, you know, deal with that in the classroom. And then as long as I get the numbers to, you know, the district. And so I think, I think there are, are some people that just give it and get over it and don't think about it and move on, right? And can be okay with that. Um, I can't, <laughs> and I let it bother me a lot. Mm. And so just trying to, especially now I can see what, what you can see what the kids really need, right? They need friends, mm. they need interaction, they need attention, they need love, they need discipline, they need grace, they need all these things, right? And I'm wondering, like, is the classroom a place where we're giving all those things to them in the way that they need? And if it's not, and if I don't believe that I am, is it somewhere I just want to stay and, you know, do my own bit in my classroom and know that "Mm, my class is okay, but that's often not the case, right? Like, it has to be a school effort. It has to be every teacher, staff member, principal, district, all believing this thing for it to work, or else Mm -hmm. it's one little me kind of just like trying to do my own little thing man and it's you kind of just you kind of just hit it on the spot for me for like i kind of said earlier like i plan on leaving the classroom and that's because like i want to make like more systemic changes Mm. in education and like just like you said like as much as i believe i'm making all these changes in my classroom and everything is going differently it's like it's just one class of like one school of one district and one state and yeah um man you hit it on the head now yeah that was now in the coffin <laughs> sure <laughs> um but like just gonna add on a little bit to what Juan he was saying too like something that's been like really exacerbated in during the pandemic for me too is like yeah inequity for sure like i'm not sure about jessica in your school but like the first like six months of the pandemic you know 40 percent of our kids didn't have devices you know or internet hic luckily like they're you know making changes to that obviously but you know, for six months or so, they didn't have that. And like a lot of my students, they have like younger ones in their home right now. And they have to take care of their younger ones while their parents are working. Or like I have certain kids who their parents actually had to um, quit their job and be, you know, stay home parents because, you know, their kids have to have a caretaker at home. And yeah, it's just like inequity is so real. And yeah, if you don't believe it, I mean, like just look, just look into you know any of these students' home. Oh yeah, I mean a lot of I had a lot of my students you know turning in Google Classroom assignments on their you know parents on their parents' phones. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, how much can you go after a student for not attending all the Zoom meetings when their internet is not working at home? And you know, that's the reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As as teachers uh what do you feel like 
is the biggest change that you've seen in your students since the beginning of the pandemic? The thing about eighth graders, like they're digital natives, like they were born in this era work mm. of technology, but a lot of them are actually really bad at technology. Like they can use TikTok, they can use YouTube, they can use Instagram and stuff, but like saving a Word document or using Google documents or Google Drive, like they don't know how to do that. But I've seen like in the past six, you know, six, seven months or so, there's just been a huge shift. Like, oh yeah, we can do this now. We can do this now. And like, it's been really cool to see like that growth mm. and them like actually learning useful technology that they're, they're going to use in, you know, in college or high school or in the workplace. So that's been really cool to see that shift of just like, you know, learning. Um, I'll share a positive one too. <laughs> um, I think I do really see a yearning for kids to be with each other. They they crave coming to school now because they want to hang out with their friends. You know, it's a little sad because it's not the same. Of course not. I mean, they have to come into school, sit six feet apart from each other. We don't have gym. We don't have recess, you know, like they have to sit, sit in the classroom facing forward. It's very different. But I can just see that they even just like love coming to Zoom meetings to see each other. Um, and I think like appreciation for their friends and like the community um, is a lot deeper. And I, I'll say it for my class because we're in person and we're sometimes we're remote, we go back and forth, but I have a small group. And so I know it's a little bit harder with classes where I only have 10 kids in my group but the full remote teacher has like 40 kids in her group with her and just 40 kids. And I know mm. there are different struggles there too. Like just seeing like their desire to be with each other um, in that time is, is something that I, I've been kind of been feeding my joy in seeing and even just, you know, encouraging me, even though I want to log off, like keep my zoom on during lunch meetings so they can, you know, talk for once <laughs> yeah that's awesome <laughs> i feel like when you think about students in school the number one thing is like oh, i don't want to be here <laughs> right or like they just like is it is it like lunchtime yet like when can i go home but that's that's awesome to hear i think we sometimes forget that um, on the other hand, like, too, there are students where it's had a negative like mm. oh yeah way, facts, facts. where there are students that are like what do you mean i have to come to school I don't even know what that means anymore. Like, mm. can I just stay home and be remote? Like I will have students who are supposed to be in person, but they've gotten so comfortable or lazy with being at home now that, I mean, they could do minimal work at home and still be counted present. You know, like maybe they've learned to work the system in certain ways. Um, but, but at the same time, like if you push it, they do want to come to school. I don't think mm. they just realize it because they've been in such a habit of, like being at home and not having to move. I mean, I know a lot of adults who think that too. Like, oh my goodness, yeah. can you imagine? I know, that's the thing. I, like, I bet you're speaking to a lot of adults. <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean anymore? Like going to work five days a week, commuting? So kind of building off of that, I guess, that's a very good transition to my next question. It's like you were reading my mind. Um, but uh, I think Jessica, like as you were in New York, like, nationally there was this like huge debate about new york schools right like do teachers go to in-person school do teachers not go in person like where is that border and chris i don't know if you've had to go in person this year um but how did you 
I guess like balance the idea of like, yes, I want to be there for my kids as their teacher, like to be the most effective teacher, but also like, Hey, here's my like own personal life and safety that I have to account for. Right. Like, how did you think through that process as you were, you know, told to come in person or told to stay home, vice versa? Um, I mean, it was like a roller coaster <laughs> of emotions, of um, mind shifting, changing back and forth. Well, there's always fear with the unknown, right? Mm. Um, and I think there's always, always coupled that with the question of whether politicians have, you know, teachers at the centers of their hearts and minds when they make decisions is like a scary place to be. I do think that throughout the whole course of um, deciding whether to bring students in person, what that would look like, and kind of, there there have been decisions that have been made um, that I definitely don't agree with, um, with timing of opening and all of that. At the same time, I can't argue, of course it's better to be in person. Of course, mm -hmm. of course it's better to, you know, have our students there. But there's also, you can't, demand that without certain safety and certain mm. other things that have been taken into account. And the question is, are they and have they, mm. and who's, who's doing that? So do you have a union that is pushing for that for you um, in certain ways? And, um, or are you going to be forced into unsafe situations? You know, there's a lot of numbers being read that, Oh, well, schools, aren't really transmission sites. The numbers are low there, right? But I still, you know, commute an hour to work every morning on the train. Mm. Um, and I don't feel safe every time, right? And you can't ignore that either. Um, so there's a lot, I think, that goes into it. Um, at the end of the day, we have to go. And when, when I'm there and with my kids, I don't hate it, right? I I it's great. I, I do. <laughs> That's <laughs> um, good. <laughs> on my on my subway ride home, I'm thinking differently, right? Mm. So even in the course of a day, I go through different mm, where where like how I think about the situation. Overall, though, I do think that there are always people that um, are making decisions for what directly affects my day to day that don't always have our best interests in mind. Um, and I mean, it is hard. New York city is a, you know, 1.1 million students, right? Like there are lots of students and thus lots of families and lots of demographics of families, right? Demographics of parents that the government, the city is dealing with, right? So there are going to be decisions made. I think that will never please one or the other, but, um, I got my first vaccine. Ooh, congratulations wow. <laughs> congratulations uh, so i mean that's a, that's a good thing yeah that's yeah. awesome we're on the way back uh, chris how yeah. do you feel about all this yeah year? um i'm an hisd and we pushed our school year a month back um, and then the first six weeks of school we actually were virtual and then after six weeks, we went through a, like a blended model where students get to choose whether they're, they come back in person or they're virtual, but teachers have to come back. Um, 
And for me, like what made me more comfortable coming back, luckily I'm, I'm really close with my admin team. And so like, I got to actually talk them out through like, what's y'all's plan? You know, what's the district's plan of like rolling this out? Like, how are we keeping teachers safe? How are we keeping, keeping students safe? And so, I mean, like, I was very lucky to like see their plan, like, you know, obviously six feet distance apart, like everyone's wearing masks, like anytime you leave or come into a classroom, you're hand sanitizing, like between me and the students, I literally have like a plastic cover, you know, that's blocking us and mm-hmm. things like that. And I mean, just so on and so forth, There's, they made a lot of changes. And I mean, HISD made a lot of like rules and contingencies based off like outbreaks and stuff like that. They've kind of backtracked a little bit on that, unfortunately, but you know, like going in, I actually felt really confident, like, Hey, like we can actually do this. Um, but what's crazy was actually the, after the first day we came back, they shut down the school because there was a, like a COVID scare. Mm. But, you know, I like tell a lot of my friends, like, I actually, I feel, I feel really safe at school. I feel more safe at school than I do. Like if I'm like going to a park, something like that. Um, just because I know there's all these precautions and I know like, um, surprisingly, like all the students that are in person are very compliant about the rules. Like no one's like be- making a fuss about masks. No one's making a fuss about like washing their hands, like consistently. I mean, you know, kids, they don't wash their hands nasty. Um, but, um, like using hand sanitizer and all these different things. So, um, that was really, I was very fortunate to have like a, an admin team that was very transparent. Like, Hey, we're going to keep you safe. We're going to keep the kids safe. And that's what we're going to do to ensure that. Hmm. I think. Yeah, I, I agree, too. I think the safety within the school is there. But I also feel like it gets a little tricky when um, when there are certain plans put into place, right? That, for example, like, you guys were supposed to open, and the minute you opened, you closed, right? Yeah. So literally, that's what's happening at our school, too. They're like, we're going to have more testing available. We're going to test more students every week. But guess what that means? when COVID cases are rising nationally, what does that mean? That means that you're going to find cases every single yeah. week. <laughs> oh, were we supposed to answer that? Was that like a teacher-student moment? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a pause. I was like, oh, I don't know the answer to this. What do I say? <laughs> I don't want to sound stupid. I got an email thing. And so like, that was a mental, mental pause. <laughs> <laughs> you just want the answer <laughs> um let me close right so we are in school for a week and then we get random testing done and we have a you know building of three schools right we have three different schools in our one building people traveling from all over new york yeah are there going to be at least two cases yes <laughs> and so then we close for 10 days so Actually, we've been, our school has been remote for 10 days, um, mm. like since the week we got back from break. And, oh, wow. so, and so like, it's almost going to be like a back and forth, right? We're in school for a few days and then they're going to find more cases. And then we have to go out of school for 10 days and then go back. And like, there's, you know, well, actually it's better than having no days in school, right? For the kids than to have, you know, some days in school, which is, true but at the same time as a teacher i'm like planning in class lessons and then i have to like literally shift the next day and plan all remote lessons it's just a lot of just back and forth and back and forth um yes i think safety is being more highly regarded but this is our first time Hmm. dealing with this kind of a pandemic right and so even schools 
in cities, the way that they are making decisions, it's their first time. So they're not making decisions out of the best, you know, like practices, right? They are just making these decisions too, based off of like what they think and, you know, based off of hopefully maybe some data that has been collected during this time. Also, a lot of what decisions are being pushed in New York City is by rich white parents, right? To be honest, Mm. and it's affecting, you know, students. Like I had a class full of students and um, because the mayor pushed our school to stay open during a time when my students did not feel safe to be coming to school, they dropped out to Mm. go full remote. But the mayor has closed um, the ability of students to opt back in to in-person so once you drop out of in-person, you have to stay full remote yeah. for the rest of the year, right? Mm. Because, you know, of this push, I, I lost students to go fully remote, you know, because mayor pushed the schools to open in a time when people don't feel safe bringing their kids to school. But it's different depending on which borough of the city you live in, too. Yeah, it's a really complicated <laughs> story, feels like. <laughs> in Houston, New York, and that's not even like counting like what's going on in California yeah. and, you know, all yeah. those places, you know? So, yeah, really appreciate you guys going through all of that. <laughs> I feel like like the little impact that my words can say, I hope you guys know that you're appreciated. <laughs> yeah, you guys are so appreciated. Sound more sarcastic, Angie. Oh, I mean, like, you know, I had a baby during the pandemic. Oh, yet, really? And I can tell. Yeah, oh my gosh, you guys don't see my Instagram. social. I post about him all the time, right? Um, but, like, at the beginning of motherhood, I had I was running on, like, maybe two hours of consecutive sleep. And so was my sister because that was when the pandemic started and teachers had to figure out stuff, right? So, not like, just the fact that, you guys had to be these guinea pigs, but you guys are such amazing teachers and educators that I know um, for the amount of like just work you guys really had to go through. I just really not not sarcastically at all. I truly, truly appreciate both of you for all that you guys do. Um, I know that Chris just loves his kids here too. And so I know that this has been very difficult. I also know that you guys have gotten creative, like, you have a project, Chris. What is it? You want to plug it in two minutes or no? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> wow, so random. But um, the past maybe year and a half, two years, um, a few friends and I have been working on a project called Potsy, P-O-D-S-I-E. You can, if you want to look it up, potsy.org. Um, essentially, it is a kind of toolkit or a tool that teachers can use. Um surrounded by like research back instruction and learning so if you know the concept like space repetition and interleaving like those few things are like we've kind of like condensed those um in kind of like this flashcard app kind of like quizlet type deal um, but better um um yeah but hopefully you can have me back on and maybe yep. josh one day and we can actually like fully talk about it i don't want to talk too much about it yeah, no, I we definitely plan to invite you and Josh Ling, another fellow TFAer in the house. Anyways, um, not in the house right now, um, but yeah, and just to kind of like learn more about that. And I think one question I did have is, you know, during this pandemic, if we find out you're a teacher, we just want to hear all about how teaching has been during the pandemic, right? And so I'm also just curious, like, what are some other identities or 
um, yeah, no other word, just identities you've had over these past 10 months that either you feel like have gotten like overshadowed by the fact that your main identity is teacher um, during this time? Or um, how have you been able to kind of navigate that and balance that out? Jessica, you want to go first? Or I, I, mean, I know somebody got married. <laughs> yeah. Chris, go first. <laughs> yeah. Um, the way you phrase that a little bit, like, actually, I would say, like, being a teacher isn't actually my main identity, like, that, or, or changed over COVID. I would say it's, like, probably fourth or fifth down the rung, actually. Um, so, like, obviously, like, first would be, like, mm. I'm a, a son, a brother, you know, that type of things, like, a husband now, like you said. Um, shout out to my wife, again. Ooh, that's congratulations. The second time. Um, yeah, but I think, like, something that has shifted a lot is, like, the fact that, like, I am a believer, I'm a Christian, like, I think that aspect has changed a lot over COVID. Um, obviously, the fact that you we're, you know, we're virtual now, and so like we all know, like community is like a huge aspect of like being like a Christian, and like we we all believe like fellowship is really like important. Um, so I think that's like that fact has changed. The fact that you know, I like I'm a house church leader, and so the fact that I've had to like navigate what that looks like and really navigating that well um, between you know my friends and things like that in my house church has really shifted as well. So I think probably the biggest change for me is like what it means to be like a follower of Christ, I think, um, because that has really, y'all can probably attest this as well. Like y'all have like probably shifted a lot of things in y'all's, you know, um, Sunday gatherings or your, like your house church meetings as well. I think to give another perspective to that, um, for me as well, I think my identity in Christ has lost its way a lot this year, actually. Um, I think that for me, the, the stress of navigating teaching during the pandemic, I think, was consuming. Um, and it took all my time. Already, I think I also kind of put my teacher identity um, as priority in, in what I do in my life and what hours go into um, that I, I that I prioritize in ways that are probably not very healthy. Um, but especially this year, I think it expounded that, um, that time. And, um, and for example, going to small group um, virtually on Zoom it was really hard. Like mm. I, it, I was drained all day from trying to get my like 45 kids onto Zoom all day long and then to sit there and then be on another Zoom meeting um, with actually pe new people that's joined or that I don't know. It was, it was really hard for me to commit to that. Um, and so I stopped. So that was kind of one of the things that I always did um, while I was here um, was small group and my community through small group. And um, after not going to that for a while, um, I kind of slowly like made less time for all the other things in my life in which I um, give to my relationship with God. So I think um, what got lost a lot was my, my relationship um, the time that I put into my relationship with God during this year. I'm trying slowly to get it back um, this year. Maybe also, I didn't realize how much traveling 
was a part of my identity, I think. Especially being in New York, I don't have any close family here. Um, a lot of my close friends are in California. So really when, what I do here is work. Like my identity in New York is work a lot. Mm-hmm. But I, I balance a lot of that with traveling. I balance a lot of that with making sure I spend time with family. And even if I am across the country, I will, you know, make weekend trips to LA to visit my friends. Um, but I think having all of that kind of stripped away too, especially during a year when, when my best two best friends from college got married this year, <laughs> of all years to get married, mm-hmm. um, my nephew was born this year of all years to be born. <laughs> um, and so I, I feel like that the time when I like should have been traveling and been near people that I love the most, I wasn't able to. Um, so that was kind of hard too. And I feel like, yes, a lot of that was gained back through FaceTime, right? So thank you, FaceTime and Zoom. But again, right? Like it's not, not the same thing. That's something that I can't wait to get my second vaccine for. (laughs) (laughs) Me neither. You know, I think like, I'm really glad because one thing Wani and I wanted is that through this near podcast that we're just trying to uh, share this year is to really allow this to be a platform for different voices that we find dear to our hearts. And so I guess as we close, is there just like one thing you would want our listeners to know about you guys as teachers or anything else you guys might want to share? Um, like, you know, Wendy, when you said, oh, we appreciate you guys and we love teachers and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's you, that's you. And of course, you know, I love hearing that and that's great. But like Chris said too, like, this is the year that I've been the most experienced teacher. And yet this is the year that I felt like the worst teacher. Like mm. I felt like I've like failed as teachers, all, you know, like almost every other day. Right. In little ways, even just ways when like I plan this lesson and my students all are silent. (laughs) Right. There's like very little confirmation throughout the day that really, you know, kind of is encouraging to me that I am um, a good, good teacher. And I know I'm not a bad teacher. Um, So that's, you know, the kind of year that it, it has been. Um, and so while I appreciate when people say, like, you know, teachers are the best, we love you guys, and blah, 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 again, <laughs> I want to challenge everyone, you know, what does that actually look like in how you live your life too? I think it's everyone's responsibility, whether you have a child in the public school system or not. I think it's everyone's responsibility as people in the society to invest and be invested in the children, mm-hmm. you know, in this education system of our kids. Because if we're not, it's not going to be the change of the Secretary of Education that makes a difference, right? It's literally going to be a mindset change of how we view education and how we view, you know, what, what classes look like for our students um, and for our kids. Mm-hmm. So with they're very thankful for my Dunkin' Donuts gift cards, you know. But <laughs> like my challenge here, I guess what what I want people to know is, you know, like what what more could could you be doing? That's my sister. One <laughs> here, you're gonna hype me up too when I I got you. I got you. I got you. 
I got you too. <laughs> let's, be on, let's be honest. Angie is the, the more hype person on this podcast. I'm just the boy. Got you. I got you. <laughs> um, I think for me, probably what I would leave with is education, I think, starts at home. I'm talking to, I think, future parents or just parents in general. Education starts at home. Um, accountability with your kids, like read to your kids, like being in the classroom and just seeing like my eighth graders, the, the students that do the best are the ones that are held accountable at home. The students that do best are the ones who, you know, have been reading like all their life. And just like, I would say as a parent too, just I, even though I'm not a parent, but like I, I see on the other side as a, as a teacher, be, be present, but don't be overbearing in their, your child's education, things like that, like actually care, like ask them, like really like, hey, what did you learn today? Teach me, like actually like, don't just say, what did you learn today? Like, oh, teach me what you learned today. Like actually like have them think through it and like thought process through that, th- those things. Like I, I always tell my friends like, hey, like I'll, I have a lot of friends who are worried about, oh my God, like what elementary school should I put my kid in or what middle school, what high school? I'm like, at the end of the day, like, yes, mm. those things are important. But if that foundation isn't built at home, then it's all for naught, right? So that's what I would leave with. Mm. Wow. That's my code. <laughs> nice. nice. I am going to challenge myself to invest more in this, um, in the children. I, I mean, I, I feel like I do, but even more. And this is my way of just telling you guys, I appreciate your time today by going back after this and challenging myself um, to truly show that I appreciate. Yeah, I, I know that for a lot of like the folks that I am close to or um, that I like interact with a lot of my day to day with, like they don't get to necessarily see like what happens in the life of a, a teacher, right? Like, I think Jessica, like you mentioned, people imagine this like teacher who like magically has everything all together or like somehow figures everything out, right? And um, or like the like the school system being this like perfect place where all the kids are getting the best education possible and. Um, I think hearing your perspective on all this has been like really enlightening. And um, I think just like brings a lot of like what has happened like this year, like this year is not an isolated event. It's like a lot of different things that have like been exacerbated by this year. Right. And so I feel like the things that both of you have said, like really brought that to light. And um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think was, uh, is going to be really revealing for a lot of folks who listen and um yeah. yeah, I keep wanting to say the word appreciative, but I feel like it's a tough word to say. Now. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that. That word, that word is now attached with like a. Hmm, yeah. Like, what, what do I, I mean, mean by appreciate? Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, very, um, yeah. I hope I hope Chris, aka Hua, aka Mr. Hua, and Jessica, aka Miss Chi, I hope they came here and just um, offered you guys this fresh perspective. That's really. Um, necessary for us to kind of hear and I hope it made you think I hope it made you feel challenged and uh, we just continue to allow that space to be present here and so we end today with all four of us inviting you to enjoy the wonder Changing the weather, I was praying that you and me might end up together.